Looking out of the window from an airplane, you sometimes see, as you take off and land, the city that you drive through, that you commute to, that you live in, and you see it from a different perspective. You see how there's a bigger picture, how all those little people driving those little cars way down below are part of one ecosystem. But you know that each of those people are living in their own world. Welcome to the Lion and the Ox, two modes of Jewish leadership Number five, I'm Shmuley Halpern and welcome, thanks for joining. In 2008, NASA astronaut Ron Graner pointed out that when you look at Earth from outer space, you see what he called the orbital perspective. You see the bigger picture. In his words, um, as he looked down to Earth, he says, I saw a stunning, fragile oasis, an island protecting us from the harshness of space. And at that same time, I realized, said Ron, that in spite of the overwhelming beauty of the scene, serious inequity exists on this apparent paradise. A billion people don't have clean drinking water, go to sleep hungry every night. All the so social injustices, the conflict, the suffering, the illness, all the things in this world that are broken. But if only, if only mankind, if only the individual walking around stuck in their own world would see that they're part of one ecosystem, that they're part of one whole. What would the world look like? Things would be so much better if we had what Ron called the orbital perspective or what author Frank White called the overview effect, the ability to see the entire universe as one and to realize that you and your small little corner of the world are an integral part of that oneness, of that big in cosmic plan going on. Let's take a look at the life of Yosef, which is what we're delving into here. The biblical figure Joseph, who really personified being able to balance and bridge the cosmic with the individual, the whole with the part. Yosef, Joseph is one who had dreams, he had yearnings, and he went to bat for those ambitions, and he initially was ridiculed, chased, and abused for having those ambitions, but ultimately he was proven correct. His dreams, his yearnings were prophetic because his willingness, his ambition to actualize self, to become the greatest Joseph possible, ultimately was one and perfectly aligned with the cosmic picture, with the place that he had in the world that would further the mission of the world. Let's take a look at what happens to Joseph. After he goes to battle with his brothers, he tries to assert his leadership and they push back. They try to kill him. Ultimately, they sell him into slavery. What does he do? Does he give up? Does he throw up his hands and say, well, kingship, which is my dream, which I feel prophetically I'm destined for is not a reality. Let me just give up. No, Joseph, so to speak, takes a step back. He relaxes. He's able to notice the sweet smelling spices of the caravan on the way down to Egypt. As many point out in the suffering, he notices the silver lining. He's calm, he's collected, he's focused. He's focused on the moment, on the present. Why? Because he realizes that if he's here, He's got a job to do. And if he's here at this moment, there's a small corner of the universe that is his right now 
That small corner of the universe is where he goes to work making the cosmic plan, the big wholeness and oneness of reality coming to fruition in his tiny little corner. Even if he's stuck in a caravan, he's able to notice and be present to his surroundings. And when he shows up in Egypt and he's taken to the house of Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, and originally he's brought there for immoral purposes, um, the official Potiphar is going to use Joseph for his own personal pleasure, for his own indecent, um, depraved pleasures. And then he can't go ahead and act on those plans because of an illness that he is stricken with. Joseph is stuck, seemingly without a job, and yet he focuses. He says, this is where I am. And he goes to work, whether it's sweeping the floor, whether it was serving coffee, or whatever they served in those days, Joseph did it with perfection. Joseph realized that his little corner of reality was going ultimately to be part of a bigger picture. And so there's no need to get lost. There's no need to give up. There's no need to be consumed and overwhelmed by the smallness, by the limitation, by the constriction of being stuck in this little corner, far from family, far from friends, far from anything familiar. Joseph realizes that his circumstances today are part of something much, much bigger. And if he only actualizes self today, if he only goes to work to be the best Joseph he can be today, given his circumstances, he knows that he will have the part that he dreams and yearns for, the part of changing the world, the part of being an integral part of the divine plan. The Midrash, at the opening of the Joseph story, brings a verse which says essentially the idea that every human being is a pawn in the hands of the divine, of the cosmic plan. We're stuck in our own little worlds. We don't see beyond four cubits before us. We have blindfold on. We're blindfolded or we have these blinders that block our vision. But the truth is that we're part of a bigger picture. We're part of making something really profound happen. We're part of a, an ecosystem which everything works together to make this divine plan happen. And when you take a step back, when you look perhaps in retrospect, when you have the overview, when you look from outer space, you see Joseph and his suffering, his difficulties are part of a big picture. Joseph going down into Egypt ultimately brings the Jewish people down into Egypt, which is the divine plan which brings the Jewish people to eventually walk out of Egypt and become the nation ready to accept the Torah, the nation ready to march into the land of Israel, the nation ready to change the course of history. That all happens because Joseph descends to Egypt as a slave. Ultimately, we know Joseph leaves the bondage, he leaves the slavery to be the second most powerful person to save the region from famine. He accomplishes incredible things. He's part of the big picture in such an integral way. But had he given up, had he said, my reality is so small, all I have is this miserable slavery, this existence. All I can do is wake up in the morning and go to work in making this household run. The household of who? The household of the depraved Potiphar 
why would I want to do this? I'm here against my will. Why not just drag my feet? But no, Joseph energetically throws himself into the task of being the best Joseph today, knowing all along that it's part of a bigger plan. So he can calm down. He can relax. There's a big picture here, and I'm only a part of that picture. But at the same time, he doesn't lose sight of his importance. He doesn't belittle his own contribution because he's only part of the picture. He realizes that his piece of the picture is the really the only thing that matters for him right now. And so he gives it his all. But at the same time, he recognizes the significance of that little picture because it's part of the big picture. It's part of the whole. Joseph has an incredible quality. Kabbalistically, Joseph stands right between the upper worlds and the lower worlds. Joseph is also defined as a conduit. Joseph's a pipeline. Joseph receives from above and he channels it for the betterment of society around him. A perfect illustration of this is Joseph collecting all of the bounty, collecting all of the crops, all of the fruits, everything, collecting everything he can from the bounty that Egypt experiences in their time of plenty and perfectly conserving it for a future time when the region experiences a terrible famine. Does he do it for his own self? No, he does it for the betterment of others. He does it so that the region will survive the difficult times, which they ultimately do. Joseph realizes that his self-expression, his self-actualization, that his greatness is but an expression and a conduit, a stepping stone, and a tool to serve humanity, to serve the world, to serve God, to serve God's plan, to serve the bigger picture. And that's the beauty of the Joseph model. There's no contradiction between self and other because there's a perfect recognition that the development of self serves the other. There's this perfect balance between realizing that there's a tremendous picture happening over the course of many generations and my small existence, which I have such a difficult time seeing beyond, is only a part of that picture. Joseph balances that perfectly with his own focus. He focuses completely on his role at the same time that he realizes his role is part of a bigger picture and serves the bigger picture. He doesn't need to nullify self. He doesn't need to do, as we will discuss in our second segment of the show, what King David does, what Judah does. He doesn't need submission because in Joseph's world, with his perfect alignment with the will of God, his expression is the expression of a divine will. There's no contradiction. And so he doesn't need to nullify self. He doesn't need the work of humble submission because there's no contradiction. His will is God's will. His greatness is the greatness of humanity. His success is everyone's success. That's what Joseph, in a nutshell, represents. The idea of dreams, which is so central to the Joseph story, really highlights this fact. Joseph, again, has dreams, he has yearnings, which ultimately are prophetic and come true. But then Joseph meets others, and he translates their dreams for them. Joseph meets two of Pharaoh's officials in prison, And he gives them perfect interpretations for their dreams, which come 100% true. 
a dream in a, a sense of where your destiny is leading you. A yearning to actualize self is exactly this point. It's not a free-willed, conscious, linear thought process, which only occurs when you're awake. When you're awake, you can take apart a problem, you can see its components, you can chart a course of action, you can plan a strategy, you can think for yourself, you can choose for yourself when you're awake. When you're asleep, when you tap into the deeper yearnings that sleep within you, that are not conscious, they're not active, you need to be silent to hear their voice. You need to take a walk in the woods for two hours sometimes to get a little niggling sense of what it really is that's going on inside of you. That's destiny calling you. That's a sense of where you fit in to the cosmos. That's a sense of where you fit in to the big picture, where your small picture is an expression and an actualization of the big picture. That's what dreams and yearnings are about. And Joseph has the ability to translate those, to define them, to show where they have practical import, to bridge the gap between the big, vague picture and the focused effort, action-based work that a person needs to do. Joseph bridges those two worlds with perfection. What an amazing quality. We get caught, we get stuck in our selfish little worlds. We do ourselves a disservice, an incredible disservice because it's so limiting. We see our circumstances, we see our opportunities and we say, okay, this is what it is. But when we recognize that we serve a greater good, when we, when we recognize that our success is everyone's success, then we tap into what is limitless. We tap into the big picture. We tap into the, what is universal, what is eternal. It's an incredibly liberating idea. And it's what allows Joseph to meet each challenge with presence, with mindfulness, and work through each particular situation with perfect focus, with incredible zeal, energy, and liveliness, and ultimately to transform dust into gold, to become at each stage of his journey the greatest Joseph that he was capable of being, to further the big picture, to further the divine plan, to be of service to the entire world, to, in, to the entire history. That's something that Joseph does by bridging those two worlds, the world of destiny and the world of choice, the cosmic world and the small world of your personal life. There's no contradiction on the Joseph level, and we would do well once in a while to think about this, to stop, to take a walk, or to work on the idea that we represent something bigger than ourselves. You know, it's easy when you lose the sense of self, when you're in outer space, like the astronaut Ron Garan, or you're flying in an airplane, like the author we mentioned before, Frank White. When you're doing those kind of things, you're zoomed out you don't see yourself in the picture. You're looking down from the top of a skyscraper at all the little people rushing through the streets of Manhattan. When you see that, you're not thinking of your little world. You're looking at them and you're seeing how it's bigger because you're not in the picture. The beauty of the Joseph work though is to see your little world 
at the same time that you see this big interconnected world and to realize how you fit in perfectly in that interconnected oneness and wholeness. That's the beauty of the Joseph mindset and something that we can tap into. Our success is everyone's success. And so everyone's success is our success. It's a beautiful idea. And we need not be limited, as we mentioned before, by the present, because the present is only one piece in the puzzle of our lifetime. And our lifetime is only one piece in the puzzle of a divine, vast, eternal picture. Thank you for listening.